I'm on right now. I don't believe you. That's not six. One plus two plus two plus one. You really are crazy. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Me? No, come on. Don't be crazy. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy, a movie podcast where we delve into the world of cinema and explore what makes certain films good or bad. I'm your host, Zach Rancourt, and every week I bring together other film enthusiasts to analyze, discuss, and dissect some of the most popular and critically acclaimed movies of all time, especially this one. Whether you're a film buff or just a casual moviegoer, our show is sure to provide you with a fresh perspective and thought-provoking insight into the world of cinema. So grab your popcorn, sit back, and join us as we explore the art of filmmaking and discover what truly makes a movie great. All that I ask is don't be crazy. Hello, everyone. This is super fun. We have a really packed episode, so I just want to get right into it. For the most part, I'll introduce the guests. It is Spooktober, so I'm bringing back some uh, old acquaintances, some ghouls and gals. I got uh, David Dassa of the Geek Garage podcast. David, how art thou? Uh, That was good. Okay. Um, uh, how great thou art. I feel like <laughs> I feel like in the movie uh, Role Models when he's like, oh, bid him good morrow. <laughs> when when Paul, oh, yeah. Rudd, Paul Rudd finally accepts the fact that he's right. a geek also. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, bid it. him good morrow. Yeah. So, uh, ki- kiss the ring. Um, Lunesta, because I send my uh, enemies to their eternal resting place. <laughs> congratulations. You're stupid in three languages. Um, no, I'm good. Thank you. And thank you for having me again. Absolutely. Love to hear it. Um, and then obviously the the diva queen herself, Miss Amanda Jane Stern. Amanda Jane Stern, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good to be back. Ready to discuss this. Ooh. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm excited because you were texting me and I was mm-hmm. like, hmm. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, I'll just save the content. And I'm just so <laughs> curious to open up your brain. Um, like some of those segments. Ooh, yeah. All right, Hannibal Lecter. I know. And then, of course, we have the goat himself, Mr. Horror Films, Mr. Arnold Schwarzenegger, lover himself, Stephen Alva Wood. Steve, how are you today, my friend? I'm doing great. This is uh, my month. You know, this is the time that I shine. Uh, I'm super busy doing a lot of great horror stuff. This is like my favorite month of the year. You know, November 1st, it's like Smeagol going into the cave. I'm tired. I'm <laughs> worn out and I'm just ready to hibernate for another 11 months. But this is this is great, October. So thanks for inviting me on. I'm pretty excited yeah, to talk about it. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I'm saying uh, Steve's podcast, the Horror Squad podcast, it is great. Uh, you should definitely go out there and give it a listen. Uh, like I was telling him before we started recording, I was watching Arachnophobia, or I, they did Arachnophobia for a couple episodes ago, and it just reminded me of my childhood and how terrified I was from that film. It's not overly violent. It's just disgusting with how big <laughs> the spiders are, so... Um, but I am so excited to have you guys here today because we are going to review VHS 85 from 2023. It's brand new, just came out on Shudder. I believe that's the only way you can watch it. You might be able to watch it with AMC Plus uh, mm-hmm. if it's... That's how it's I like, watched it. Okay. So yeah, because I, I believe AMC owns Shudder now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. I you. just signed, I signed up for a month of Shudder because it's they have a lot of good content on there. And I usually do it in October, but... Um, it, there are a lot of segments. So for anyone who doesn't really know VHS, it's usually four to five little segments that uh, are directed, maybe like 15, 20 minutes each. And uh, they're somewhat of a horror uh, little piece, little vignette. So it's it's all kind of culminated with a wraparound story in it, too. Uh, so in these segments, they, they were directed. Well, I'll just say the segments. Total Copy was directed by David Bruckner. Dream Kill was directed by Scott Derrickson. 
Techno God was created by Natasha Kermani. Uh, no Wake was created by Mike P. Nelson. And then God of Death was Gigi Sal Guerrero. So a lot of good, a lot of good directors there. I had to look. What some about of them Ambrosia? Up. What was Ambrosia? Uh, same. Um, oh. it was the uh, Mike. It was the tie to No Wake. Yeah, yeah. so that was or, Mike. Yeah. Same director, Mike P. Nelson. The better part of those two. Wow. <laughs> um, and then uh, writers, and, and for no particular, no listed segments. See Robert Cargill, Zoe Cooper, Scott Derrickson, Evan Dixon, Mike P. Nelson, and Gigi Salgaro. Stars are Freddie Rodriguez, James Ransone, or uh, Dickie from fucking uh, The Wire Season 2, Jordan Belfi, Danny DT, Chelsea Grant, Alex Gaelic, Justin Jones, Marcio Moreno, Anna Sundberg, Andrew Guy, Siobhan Michelle, Tyler Noble, Ari Gallegos, Felipe de Lara, Forrest Hardy, and Evie Blair. That's just a few. There's a ton more out there, uh, but I, I like all the performances. Critically, right now on IMDb, actually, let me just check while I have it up. Ooh, geez. <laughs> it is a 5.8 out of 10, <laughs> not a 7.8 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes, uh, tomato meter, 69% of criti- critics like this, critics, and then 73% of the audience like this. So it's certified fresh, I think, right? Or 69 not certified nope, fresh? No, I think you only need to be like 60 or 65 to be certified fresh. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. Uh, streaming on Shutter, like I said, I didn't find any budget information, so that's okay. And then a few f- fun facts. So Scott Derrickson said that his segment Dream Kill is in the universe of the Black Phone, and I thought that that was wonderful because when I was watching it, I was like, "This is eerily familiar to Sinister and the Black Phone," and it turns out he directed both of those. So I'm like, "Okay, well that makes sense." And just a further cementation that that's not a universe that I want to reside in. No, <laughs> really. Yeah. No, what? I'm, I'm good. I'm good here. I don't need clowns with yeah, black no face haunted paint, magic n- yeah, people. N- no haunted phones, no black balloons, uh, and no scary dreams that uh, somehow transcribe into videotapes. Yep, exactly. No Eddie Haskell, or not Eddie Haskell, no Eddie from uh, It Chapter 2 as a, right. as a grown adult. <laughs> Deep cut. The earthquake in the God of Death segment is actually based on the 1985 earthquake that occurred in Mexico City. Director Gigi Sal Guerrero said, as soon as they told me it was 85, I had to base it on something that everyone in Mexico City understands and has lived through. And that's very interesting because I'm waiting for when it's okay to make a 9-11 film and they make one. So VHS 2001 might be kind of crazy. Didn't they already make one? A VHS 91? No, a 9-11 no, I mean like a segment, like a VHS oh, segment. Oh, okay, because they yeah. did make a 9-11 movie about, right. is it like the elevator movie? They did. I was thinking of the plain ones, like with Nick Cage. Oh. And I don't know, that movie's terrible. But There's one with, yeah. I think, like, I want to say Charlie Sheen or Mark oh. Wahlberg and Whoopi Goldberg in an elevator in the Twin Towers, which is mm. a movie that I will never watch. Hmm. I've never heard of that. Uh, it's real. Unfortunately, I'm <laughs> Sounds sorry. Sounds like a fever dream. <laughs> Sounds like they tried to kinda. remake Ghost with Whoopi Goldberg and Mark Wahlberg as Patrick Swayze. R.I.P. Oh, God, no. <laughs> what are we doing here? Am I a ghost? It was a charisma <laughs> vacuum. <laughs> during we found the f- a transformer. <laughs> we got a transformer here. Uh, during the filming of the God of Death segment, the crew actually experienced a real earthquake. That would scare the shit out of me because if I was filming a horror film... 
and the thing that you're trying to depict on screen that's supposed to be scary actually happens, yeah, I'd be. I'd well, be that's a wrap. <laughs> right. That's like some some poltergeist behind the scenes shit where mm. like people were dying and stuff. Like, woof, I'm good. Okay, um, here's a quick synopsis, and this is very quick because it's all I could find. An ominous broadcast brings viewers forgotten nightmares of the 1980s. A disaster recovery crew unleashes the wrath of an ancient god, a lake that brings the dead back to life, a performance art piece makes contact with a creature from the beyond, an all-guns-out gun, all undead bloodbath, and a disturbing vision of videotaped murders. That is VHS, so we are going to go right into it because we got a big show. So everyone, all right, I'm assuming that everyone here has seen the VHS movies before or maybe at least one or two. Um, otherwise, I mean, I guess why Why the hell are you here? Maybe, <laughs> maybe just to have a good time. I have not. You have. So this is your first. I don't like found footage. Oh, so I just Amanda. stay away from it. <laughs> the, 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 the flames, the, the flames. <laughs> I, I love, I love Clue. I do not like the conceit of found footage. I want movies that make me feel something that isn't nausea or whiplash. Okay. Well, <laughs> you answered my question. I mean, I personally love the shit out of these movies because they can showcase so many directors' creativity uh, and their short films uh, savvy, their savants. I love found footage. You know, not every segment in, in the entire VHS series is a home run, but I still appreciate that f- them for what they are. So, like, anytime I can watch five movies in one, you know, sign me up. I was going to ask you guys, what are, what are your thoughts on the series as a whole, and are you excited for future installments? But, Amanda, let's let's talk about this. <laughs> so, this is your first VHS you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And you didn't like it because you don't like found footage? That's not the only reason I didn't like it. As a general rule... I don't like fan footage. I I watch fan footage and I think, wow, this scene would be so much better if I could actually watch what was going on or hear what was going on. Or I watch it and I think, ooh, this concept is really interesting, but I'm actually really taken out of it because I can only see what is in the frame because of this conceit. Where And I felt this way actually with a few of these shorts where it would have worked a lot better if it weren't entirely found footage, but if, if that were more incorporated in almost like the wraparound, which was one of the ones I liked more, that it actually felt organic to the story because in certain instances it felt like well it in some instances the 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 found footage nature of it felt right and then it kept going and I was like yeah but no one would be holding their camera and I'm just distracted by this and and by the fact that I can't actually see what's going on because it's so choppy I think I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're right. There's, there's a lot of that in this and especially this movie in particular, right? Like there are so many scenes you're like, what the fuck is going on? Or I like, I like the creepy nerd guy um, who is like, is that a beta? And he's like, what, what, what kind of gear you run in the cousin at the. Okay. The... So that's actually one of my favorite ones in this, in this thing. That... So, well, like, so with him, right. I, I think the beauty of that. So like, he's a type of guy that would know what these cameras are because obviously he's like, the beta is this whatever and he'd, he'd probably be able to use it so the distracting thing was when he picks it up and he's like zooming all over the place and he it's like he's never held a camera in his life that shit kind of pissed me off because i love the realism of these films and and i especially loved this one because i think they really nailed it for all the tracking issues and just like a found uh, you know tape like an actual vhs tape they would always have those and then more importantly 
This wraparound was supposed to be basically a documentary, a made-for-TV documentary that was taped on a cassette, on a video cassette that we're watching, but it just so happens that there's these five segments on it as well. Um, and so I think they did did a fantastic job with that. And I agree with you. There, there are points when they're under duress and they have a camera and you're like, why the hell do you have it? Like the, in the Mexico one. You know, That's that was- really the one where I'm like, why, why do you have this camera? Like the first, the beginning of that, I was very into it. And then the earthquake happened and he's injured and still carrying the camera. But also that one was really, really long. But it provides a light source. That's actually, I mean, that's a good point. It does provide a light source, but I also look at it too. And Why are you shaking? You're shaking your head. Like that's so not what? an excuse. That's what lighting does. I, I, when we, okay, this goes to the, you know how people always argue that movies are too dark now? And if you watch older movies, night scenes are beautifully lit and you can see everything because I will suspend my disbelief that I can see everything in the dark for the sake of watching a movie. I will suspend my disbelief that the camera work is gorgeous for the sake of watching a movie because movies are a visual medium. I I want it to look good. I want to enjoy. I want it to be a feast for my eyes. Yeah, this franchise is not for you. I mean, I'm I'm very glad that you came on and you will throw in some contrast into yeah. uh, into our opinions. Uh some much needed contrast, I'm sure, but um yeah, you'll probably not have any interest in cuz this is it's steady as she goes in terms of like what oh, yeah. VHS eighty five is. After this ended, my fiance looked over at me and he goes, "Do you want some more wine? What horror movie are we <laughs> going to watch tonight that you're going to enjoy?" And we ended up watching the uh, nineteen thirty three, The Invisible Man. Thoroughly enjoyed that. Oh my god! What like a completely fest. different movies, but I, I <laughs> yeah. get it. I, I totally get it. <laughs> You know, Gorgeous. Steve, Steve, what really do you have pretty. to what do you have to say about that? Like in terms of the the camera use? I mean, is it gimmicky? We ta- we were just on and we talked about um, no one will save you last week. And basically the whole eight lines of dialogue in the movie, it was too gimmicky for me and I didn't like it. But what do you think about these VHS movies? Because now they're on number six and they're not stopping anytime soon. Like, does it work for you? Uh, yeah, so what I like about the VHS movies is exactly what they're trying to do now with the years is you ha- you essentially found a tape from that year and that's what it would look like if you popped into a VCR today. You know, it, it wouldn't track well. It'd be all over the place. People didn't necessarily, you know, they're home videos. It's not people. Have you ever watched home videos? Like people don't know how to film stuff. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. it's all over. the. It's so for this type of movie, I can totally accept it. Yeah, and that's why, and I love found footage films. Now, I don't love this particular found footage film, this VHS. Actually, I've seen all the VHSs, and this is my least favorite of all of them. <gasps> oh my gosh. <laughs> so, really? Guess, so, so, maybe it was a bad one to start, in my opinion. Um, and there are a lot of great found footage films out there, like Butterfly Pisses or As Above, So Below, like stuff like that, which, like, the camera makes more sense, I guess, and it's a little more steady. So, maybe you would enjoy something like this. This was kind of extreme because they were trying to mimic not only found footage, but also 1985 using mm-hmm. 2023 technology. So, so shaky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but so I, I love shaky. this series and I love found footage. It's just this particular version of VHS I wasn't a big fan of. That's it's so funny because, I mean, I, I thought this was like catered for, for Stephen A. Wood. This was like right up your alley. And, you know, 99 was, was probably, well, the first one's my favorite. And then 99 was probably my second just because it was, I loved what they did with it. Yeah. And then I really, really enjoyed this one. Um, 
So, you know, but for all the things that you guys are saying, the opposite, I guess, because I look at the situation and yeah, you're right. The camera needs to be used in an appropriate manner. Uh, Paranormal Activity is one of my favorite found footage films. I can't stand it when like Katie screams and he stops before mm-hmm. running down to help her and grabs a camera. That shit is so dumb. Mm-hmm. But and, and so I'll agree, you know, like that's that's stupid. But I, I look at segments like Dream Kill, like the best segment and probably my favorite segment of, of all of them. But that one where, you know, it's opening just like Sinister and uh, you, you we're watching the lady on the phone and then she gets attacked by the, the guy and killed. Um, anyhow. That one's clever because we're seeing the killer's POV and we're basically watching a videotape. And so that's what they were able to link that. He's like, well, I see it in my dreams. Then it's on these videotapes, these old videotapes I had. And I thought that was really clever because then you can get away from the protagonist or the POV person carrying the camera in order for us to see everything. So like that was super cool to me, in my opinion. But um, I could see it's not it's not for everybody like I don't know. But I mean, so Amanda, you're probably not going to watch any future installments, right? Because I think Steve, correct me if I'm wrong, or David, they're going to be doing these every Halloween, right? I think so. As long as Shudder has the contract, I think we're going to start seeing these every single year. Fuck yeah, man. I'm like, I'm like a hog and shit then. If I'm (laughs) podcasting about them, I will watch them um, for my own personal (laughs) enjoyment. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I I love it's 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 like waking up Christmas morning and being like, oh, we got a new one. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty excellent in, in my opinion. But wow, okay, Steve, God, you you shocked the shit out of me with that one because David and I were texting and and we both, I, David, if I can speak for you, we both loved it. Um, mm-hmm. but- yeah, I, I mean, I I haven't gone yet, but yeah, I'm I mean, if if we're the three Goldilocks, you know, like too hot, <laughs> too cold, just right. I'm I'm right there. <laughs> in the like this might be my favorite one like oh. next number n- next to the first one like in my opinion there was no bad ones I in agree. this um like there yeah like um all the movies in the franchise they you know they've gone through you know a crazy evolution with the the first couple where they they weren't really themed. It was just, you know, VHS one, two, three, um, you know, and then they had VHS viral and then 94, 99, and then of course 85. Um, so like, I think they have a thing going now with the, with the years. Like, I think that's pretty cool. Um, how they, I I don't know if you want to call it a gimmick or whatever, but yeah. Um, like most of the franchises that I follow, uh, right now are like older, established franchises that have been around forever and ever um and it and so it's kind of cool to have like another one that i can latch on to and like like i wasn't there from the very beginning like someone told me about vhs one when i think two was just coming out um but you know other than that for the most part i've been around for the whole franchise and it's it's kind of fun to be able to say like uh, or to be able to, you know, have that perspective and point of view where you've seen it grow kind of quote unquote in real time, like yeah. as you, as you grow and as you grow as a person and you know, your um, what you like uh, and what you want out of horror changes. And it's kind of fun to have this be a mainstay where like, you know, 
Like there's been good and there's been not so good, but for the most part, like it's, it's always been enjoyable. So, right. And I mean, I can even stomach those bad ones because there are some good ones on it too. Viral's hard to watch cause it's like, eh, it's not really good, but yeah. Yeah. Viral. Yeah. I, I I'd say without a doubt, I, I think everyone could agree that, um, viral is probably the weakest, but, um, yeah, still fun. Uh, you know, and, like I said, I think this one's probably my favorite. Um, so for future installments, Amanda, what if they did a VHS 1950? And it was like, <laughs> I, obviously they didn't have VHS back then, but they had cameras. So that'd be kind of kind of cool. Maybe we get a little bit of Frankenstein's monster, or the mummy or something like that in there. Yeah. Can you park the camera and make it look good for me? I mean, it'd probably be like uh, no sound. So it'd probably be cue cards, which could be really fun. Like I you, love if, silent movies. That's if, great. Yeah. If you made I don't know. I couldn't think of the term silent movie there. I had a brain fart. But um, yeah, if you made a horror film out of a silent movie that like went completely off the rails, that'd hey, be have you Have you seen the original awesome. Phantom of the Opera? I am a big fan. I have the poster in my doorway. I mean doorway. a scary movie. I mean a really scary movie. <laughs> okay. The, Phantom of the, the original one is actually quite freaky. Mm. The silent. The, Have you the seen the silent film? The yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, the it's unmasking big. is is kinda... the unmasking is big. Sure, yeah. yeah, it's probably the most iconic moment from it. It's but yeah, gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, Doctor Caligari is is pretty out there. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was that's actually I have a 100 horror movies uh, scratch off poster right next mm-hmm. to me, and uh, that's I think. That's actually number one because wow. um, it goes chronologically. You know 1950 might be for me because cameras were so big. You couldn't have just been walking around with them. You right. would have had to have that damn thing parked. So, yes, I yeah. would get a steady shot. <laughs> there you go. It would work. Um, do you guys have any ideas on future installments? I don't know if you had anything written down for that or not, Steve or David. Mm. I, I'm just happy that they're doing the year thing because they yeah. can capture kind of the essence of that year. I think 99 and 94 did it brilliant, brilliantly. Yeah. yeah. 85, not so much. Uh, <laughs> Do you think it'll be the 70s next? I don't think they can go that far because for the same yeah, reason you said, was... the cameras get bigger and bigger and more bulky mm-hmm. to like people just don't have. Yeah. Home yeah. VHS was hard. definitely not yeah. a consumer product back in the 70s. Yeah. It was. Well, I know, but I mean, but they even had movies that were not really filmed with VHS, like the viral one. Those didn't seem like they were filmed with VHS. But I mean, I I guess it it doesn't really necessarily matter if you use it. I think it just it expands um, your ability to kind of watch whatever. So that's more, you know, the the, the home video is is the base for all of this. And so you Mm -hmm. can pretty much do you could shoot one with strictly iPhones or something like that. Yeah, I mean, was VHS viral? Uh, centered around VHS or did it just carry the VHS tape and it was like online videos like I, I thought they, I thought they were online I don't I don't okay. remember though. It, it's been a while since I've seen it so I can't quite remember the uh, the framing and the structure of it but yeah well when did we actually start watching VHS tapes like, uh, when did those really like in the, the 80s? 80s is that mm-hmm. one yeah I don't know exactly when in the 80s, but I mean, growing up, I was born in 87. That's all we had was VHS. Oh, no. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm early 90s. We grew up with VHS yeah. as well. I don't know when it when it started. Had to be probably like 1981. That's what I'm guessing. Yeah, because yeah. my parents didn't grow up watching movies on there that they'd like pop in and watch on their TV. I mean, I remember recording movies on the TV on a VHS. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Looks like in Japan in late 1976 and in the U.S. in mid-1977. So there you go. Okay. So there's some 70s. So late 70s. 
Yeah. Um, so I do want to talk about Dream Kill. So that was the final episode, aside from the wraparound, the final episode in uh, VHS 85. I think it might be the creepiest segment in the entire VHS anthology, history, whatever you want to call it. It's the POV killings. They were so goddamn brutal and so disturbing. Like that fucking meat cutter cutting the guy's skin off and his fingers and stabbing the girl in her eye. I didn't like it at all. And I was so on edge and uneasy. And I don't really ever get that. There are few movies that do that to me. And that one really got this moment really got me. So did you guys have any moments of tension from watching VHS 85? That that it was it was creepy, man. Yeah, um, sinister, pretty much. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. um, That's exactly what it reminded me of. Um, I I was pretty baked, so everything was intensified, (laughs) and like I could tell that I was in for a ride. Like I enjoyed the whole thing up until that point, and I was like, "What is going on?" Because we just had these weird soundscapes, and like it kind of looked like chess cam footage. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, is this like a dream sequence? And, um, yeah, like anytime you think that, a, a like a, a sequence in the short is over, it keeps going. Um, like, you know, he pulls her out from under the bed and then it kind of gets like shaky and like, you know, dark and you're like, okay, oh, like, cool. That's over. No, like he pulls out a fucking straight razor and slits her eyeballs open. I was so like, Oh was so <laughs> yeah, it was, it was so yeah. gnarly and I loved every second of it. Um, because I'm a sick fuck. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, no, it was, it was great. I, that, that one, I, I probably enjoyed the most, uh, just because it, I think it brought something new to the table. Um, like I think every short tends to do that in some way or another, but that one, especially. Oh gosh. What about you guys? Um, yeah, I, <laughs> so, so real life horror, like whether it's a, like a slasher or home invasion or anything like that doesn't fill me with tension for some reason. Uh, <laughs> it's par- wow. it's more paranormal stuff that <laughs> yeah. fills me with tension because it's something that, you know, even though I know it's not real, it, it's unexplained and it kind of freaks me out a little bit more. So, Scream is the same way for me since it's grounded in reality, like Jason coming back mm-hmm. to life and Michael Myers, the boogeyman, like they come back to get you. But like Ghostface is just a different dude in another mm-hmm. movie. And since it's grounded in reality, I'm like, I'm here for the fun and the laughs Yeah, and to find out who Ghostface is at the end. Exactly. So I was like interested in the gore part of that. Like always interested to see how they're going to find unique kills. You know, I've done, I'm about to do 300th episode of Horror Squad podcast. I've seen a lot of horror films. Hey, congrats. Um, Thanks. And I'm at the point where I've seen kills in every which way. So I'm always trying to see how someone's going to top that. And although they were good kills, I don't know if they top things I've seen, like to even terrify two last year had, kills that were way more gnarly than this you know for example so oh i had no God. tension from this particular uh, segment even though i thought it was an interesting idea for the segment i i didn't love that segment uh the moment that i got the most tense oddly enough is one of the very first shots of the movie and that's the wraparound story and you had that creature just sitting at the edge of the couch like watching tv and yeah. they're kind of explaining what that creature is and that gave me like i don't know just like oh 
that's, that's <laughs> it, freaky. It was Little a Rory. great setup because, yeah. like, you, it, it's like a almost a, a complete silhouette shot. Like, you can make right. out some detail, and it just looks like a, a little boy sitting on the couch. Yeah. But there's but something like they, uncanny about exactly. him. Exactly. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. look right. Exactly. Right. And like then it zooms in. Yeah. Big. And, like, the you shape. notice that, yeah. that there's, like, no detail. And mm-hmm. you're like, what the fuck Dude, have I just I, gotten? Now that you say the wraparound was one of the things I actually enjoyed. It was, yeah, I, I think that's one of our talking now, points. Now that uh, you say it, for sure, that was something that I, like, I definitely, that did creep me out because I was like, the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> I just didn't know what kind of face he was, and it felt like Stranger Things almost, and it just mm-hmm. was, mm-hmm. okay, interesting. Amanda, yeah. did you did you like Dream Kill, the sequence that we were talking about? I liked the concept. Okay. Um, that's all I, I need. Nope, nope. That's all I need. <laughs> I think, <laughs> well, okay, here's the thing about the gore. Now, I, I think I've said this before that when it comes to, to horror and things, gore is not my favorite thing. It doesn't, right. I don't find it scary. I just can think it's gross. I also can think it's gorgeous. Like, you know, Dario Argento or the gore in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That is one of the most beautiful movies ever. The production design on that is, it, it's like walking into a macabre art museum it is so gorgeous if i could see this better maybe it would be gorgeous to look at and it would be interesting to look at but it's just done shitty handheld camera so i'm like well i know what's going on i know it's gory i know it's gross but i don't feel anything Um, (laughs) i also thought that was the longest segment and it kept going and I did not get invested in the characters, oh, which man. would have done more for me if I like, I, I didn't even know who the videographer guy was. And then I got distracted by, oh, yes, you left being a police officer to be a forensic videographer. That's not a thing. That's not a, there's no guy who walks around with a VHS camera with police who videotapes everything. There's a crime scene photographer, but there's no guy who's like, we're rolling, you guys. So I got really distracted by that. They have videographers for police departments. My buddy's a videographer for the police department. Does he walk around like that all the time? He filmed, they film scenes when they have to go there and stuff. Not in that, I mean, it's not going to be a big murder scene. Again, I think a lot of this, though, you kind of have to suspend your your disbelief a little bit. Yeah, but it feels too gimmicky to me to work. Well, I mean, that's the whole point of the movie. I guess it's it's just hard because it's like, it's not catered for you, it, it sounds. So I'm sorry that that I made you watch it. But no, it's like. fine. But there was a lot where I thought this is an interesting concept and in done in a different way. And like, actually, it reminded me of this is gonna be a weird deep cut. But have any of you read the original Freaky Friday book from the 1970s? No, no. Okay, so in that book, there, it's either Freaky Friday or the sequel that came out to it, also from the 70s. Um, there's a TV that predicts the future. Oh, wow. And it predicts murders. And nice. it reminded me of that. And I just thought, ooh, that would actually be a really cool concept to see. Mm-hmm. I mean, I that sounds very it. much like a Twilight Zone episode, yeah. right? Oh, I love mm-hmm. the X-Files. The wraparound was very X-Files to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm here for it. I thought it dragged on at the end. Yeah. But that's also probably because by the time we got there, we were almost two hours in. I was like, this has been so long. <laughs> Well, could have been shorter. Let's let's talk about that wraparound. So, I mean, <clears throat> I think that's probably the weakest part in all these VHS movies. The mm. f- first one was kind of cool, but it just, I mean, it was simple. I guess I'll get, I'll just give it that. But usually, they just don't really pay off, in my opinion. So, I guess, what did you guys think of this one? I liked it. Yeah. So i I thought it was basically just a segment 
but put into chunks. It didn't mm-hmm. feel like a wraparound story. Right. Uh, you know, I'm, I think of good wraparound stories like the Mortuary Collection, which had mm. Clancy Brown uh, just absolutely killing it. Oh, and you also yeah. had Body Bags with uh, John Carpenter uh, doing like some great stuff. You know, those are good wraparounds because they talk about the stories that they're pre- like, they're presenting the next story. And then mm-hmm. they kind of do a small little commentary on the story before moving on to the next one. Whereas this is just like, I was watching a segment in like four chunks, I guess. And mm-hmm. it was weird. It's just, this is not a wraparound. This is just another segment that they should have just put together. You know, it was, but I liked the segment. Me too. Yeah. And I wish it was just a segment as opposed yeah. to, you know, watching two minutes of it and then waiting 20 minutes to see another two minutes of it. <laughs> I actually agree with that because I probably would have enjoyed the end of it more had it not been wrapped around, had I not had to wait through so much else to get there because I was actually invested in that one. And it was it was found footage in a different way than the others were. There was never a moment of, you're in mortal danger. Why are you still holding the camera? It was like the one guy who actually had a camera, there was a reason he was filming. And then he just started running because he was like, I'm not staying here. And I was like, yeah, this guy makes sense. He's not mm-hmm. like, he's just bolting. Yeah. I I mean, I agree with that as well. I I think it would have been a great way to end the the movie if you just had that as a final segment, a 20 mm-hmm. minute segment. But in terms of like how I said earlier, in terms of how they did this wraparound, they basically presented it as here's a a taped documentary made for TV, mm-hmm. including old commercials like, you know, when two friends do- drive drunk and then two <laughs> right. glasses smashing like that kind of shit. And it's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your kids are? Like, that's all stuff that, you know, we grew up with. And you're like, oh, man, the feels. Um, so I do think it, I like how it was like it, that was taped over like someone taped the documentary from TV but it was taped over and that's why we get the tracking issues and then the the jump cuts to various things like Techno God there, there's a segment and after it ends right and the Techno God comes out and kills her um, the, very blink and you miss it but you see its face in between the cuts and because I was watching it again today and I was like oh shit and it was super cool the creature design was super cool so I, I appreciated that but I think that was fun for me for this wraparound was because it was it was different. So I do agree with both of you guys, though, because it's not it, it would have been a really nice exclamation point to to the movie as a final thing. But I kind of had fun with the anticipation. But like, I mean, to that point, like, I, I kind of agree with you, um, Zach, but I think it might have the longest cl- uh, closing or it might be the longest like closing segment of the the series i'd have to go back and um either look or you know google it but um i remember you know tapping on my phone to uh, see the the time marker and as the uh as uh what's dream kill was ending uh the movie still had like 20 minutes. Yeah. had like (laughs) 20, 18 minutes left. And I was like, Oh man, I forgot exactly how much time was left, uh, in the, you know, the capper of the, the, you know, framing segment. And Mm -hmm. so I, I think that kind of makes up for that. It is just having more meat on, yeah. On the bones for, for that one. So, well, that's fair. I, I can't. So the first segment, right, the one in the water where mm-hmm. they get shot from far, yeah. uh, ends abruptly. Like it just, mm-hmm. and then it comes back later with mm-hmm. the people at the party. That uh, was the fun. seven, 
and then it kind of also ends abruptly. Mm-hmm. I thought yeah. they would finish that story at the end. I like I. And I didn't, didn't like the people in the water, but I liked the family. I really liked the concept of the family. And I was like, I would watch a movie about this family. This would be fun. Ooh, I should go watch Ready or Not again. But isn't I was isn't, about to say, yeah, well, like isn't that the point? Uh, there's already a movie and it's called Ready or Not. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's a different concept. Well, that's funny that you say that, though. So, again, so that's the point of these movies, too. It showcases these smaller directors. And Radio Silence did mm-hmm. VHS 2. Is that right, Steve? They did, uh, uh, they did one. part of one. Is, uh, yeah, the first yeah, one. Yeah, and, and they are the ones who did um, uh, Ready or Not and then also Scream 6 and stuff like that, and which was, eh, but still, <laughs> you know, they had a lot of good content concepts in there so like that's the point is this can showcase things and so i agree with you i had so many questions coming out of that one i love the fact that they split no wake and then spring bloom or whatever you, it was called ambrosia mm-hmm. ambrosia they split it because you're like what is going on for that and then also yeah it ends abruptly but what i did like is if again i watched it again today and they're like we're going to make him pay they think it's a guy at first and we're going to do the exact thing he did to us and so then flash forward to the little kid giving the squirt gun you know, squirts her. There's a moment once the police come and, you know, the mom is like, everybody grab your guns. Basically, mm-hmm. she says, Ruth, you kill them and then you kill yourself. Don't let them take you alive. So right. that's why it was the ultimate. And of course, these these RV kids wouldn't have known that. But like, it's the ultimate, you know, I'm trying to get out of this situation. And oh, shit, she just got taken alive. Kind of like that one Twilight Zone episode where he wishes to be immortal and he can't die in jail. And yeah, he wishes for a heart attack anyways. Uh, that I thought it was fun. And it would be great if they could explore, you know, that family into maybe a longer miniseries or movie or whatever. And it'd be mm-hmm. dark as shit, like very yeah. culty. But I don't even know that I, I would have a supernatural element to that. I, I think that family is fascinating kind of without the no-wake people. Like I liked that it tied in. I did not care about the no-wake people though. Yeah. I thought I liked the family. I I also think I think that the actors in the family were better actors. I was more invested in them. That girl did a good job. I was invested in what was going on. And I was like, I like you, even though you are a psychopathic murderer. But <laughs> I'm feeling for you. And that's something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this, but this was my one of my biggest issues with 1985 compared to all the other VHS films. Is that because they, the stories were segmented like that. Uh, at points I was confused, like, okay, is this part of another story we watched? Is this a new story? Is this an, so all the other VHS films is clear. It's the, like the wraparound story, wraparound story, wraparound story, wraparound, boom, mm-hmm. F- films over this one. You got wraparound story, wraparound, same story. And it, it kind of jumped back and forth for a while, which started making, by the end, I was like, okay, so does this fit with something else that I missed? Or is this, you know, it's just. It got too confusing, I think, mm-hmm. for its own good. Like, I get what they're trying to do. I don't know if I liked what they did. And then you just have Techno God, which is just there. <laughs> you know, I. it's funny you mention that because I, um, like, I, I totally understand where you're coming from, um, Steve. But uh, I had a harder time following 99 in that regard. Like, mm-hmm. like. Uh, differentiating the wraparound story from the segments. I was uh, like, you know, when it would cut to the kid, like playing with the, um, oh, yeah. with his toys or whatever, like mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, so is this the story? Cause like, it didn't start out with that. Um, and like, I, I just felt like there wasn't a ton of continuity. Um, 
I don't think the movie started out with the wraparound story either, which was also confusing. Um, I could be misremembering, but I I did just watch it recently. Yeah, and it it does. It's it's brief. It's brief, but it it does, and it it does the Rory thing. um, Yeah, the show on the couch, and then you're like, "Fuck!" And then they jump to the home video of the of the no wake. Yeah, right. But yeah, and I was like, I want to see Rory more. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, um, no, I. I liked it. He was kind of like Tombs <laughs> in the X-Files. Tombs yeah. was a really fucking creepy villain, and I love that. Uh, he is a good two-parter. His first episode is obviously better than the second, but Tombs, mm. fucking creepy. That's You know what? Actually, okay, that's something that's kind of gory and gross, but also scary. Mm-hmm. Tombs is the one that licks the, the paper and like put, makes a nest, right? He's so fucking gross. He's the yeah. one. Oh, he's the one played by um the guy who married a sixteen year old. Yeah, right. The guy from yeah. uh, Green Doug Mile. Doug Hutchison. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What? What? Mm-hmm. The creep from Green Mile. He, oh. Yeah. He married a sixteen year old back when. Uh, he's a creep in the movie. Real life. Or in real life. Well, yeah, both. I think. Okay. Courtney's yeah, actually gonna... a year younger than I am. So that... back when I was about seventeen, he married a sixteen year old. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gro- How is that legal? Oh, because their parents had to sign off on it. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. That guy was in, I, I just watched Punisher Warzone, which I actually, I, I liked. I forgot that. I thought it was bad when I saw it first, but it wasn't bad. It's just it has a villain problem because I like Jigsaw as a villain, but mm. I don't know. I didn't like um, McNulty playing him. And then that guy that you're talking about who married the 16-year-old plays mm-hmm. his like brother who's so, supposed to be crazy. This guy's like five foot seven, and I'm like, how am I supposed to be scared of him? Right. Mm-hmm. He, he just, he's weird. I can weird. tell you what's scary about him. He's a pedo. <laughs> well, I mean, they don't scare him. Scary. Just beat the shit out of him. So. <laughs> um, yeah. Ugh. So anyway, let's palate cleanse with this wonderful movie instead of that pedo shit. Um, so every VHS movie is an excellent way for lesser known directors to showcase their talents and creativity. Just like what I was saying. You know, this one had uh, five different directors, um, and it was it was cool. They some of them are well known, some really aren't. Uh, the franchise has grown immensely since 2012, and the entire feel has an indie vibe, kind of for the most most of the film. However, for VHS 85, I recognized Freddie Rodriguez and James Ransone uh, in Dreamkill. They were the detective and the videographer. They're in a bunch of different stuff I've seen before, and uh, that was weird. I just it was weird to recognize them. So, do these VHS movies? Do they need to refrain from hiring more well-known actors? Like, it, does it distract you guys? Is it a tractor at all? Uh, so I, I'd say that hiring lesser known actors is probably the way to continue on because I think it's just for broad strokes purposes. It's just, it's worked for so many reasons. Um, and, and I think low key, this issue that you're you've brought up is one of the reasons why it works is because it's this um not only is it found footage one of the lesser uh explored horror film subgenres but it's very um uh abstract in uh, in in its execution so to have a well-known actor or to have someone that you recognize in their does run the risk of pulling you out a little bit and be like, Oh man, like, well, where do I know him from? Like, even if it's that, like, I mean, that could be even worse, like, you know, distracting you from 
yeah. you know, the movie when you're trying to figure out who the hell that person is. But um, yeah, I, I'd say, I mean, I would say it's probably best to stick with lesser known actors, but um, I mean, that's a, a good reason to do that, but it wouldn't be my top reason. Um, my two cents. Yeah. I, I think the way to like, make a successful found footage film is to suspend disbelief and make you think that you're watching something real. Mm-hmm. And so if you're watching something like Blair Witch and it stars Tom Cruise, you know immediately that it's not real and it'll, you'll you'll be in disbelief that whatever's <laughs> happening is happening. So by having unknown actors, it helps you suspend that disbelief because you're just looking at it like, okay, this could have been found somewhere and off a videotape that, you know, somebody at a yard sale or whatever. Whereas if you recognize the actor like Freddie Rodriguez, because I'd watched Six Feet Under and I, mm-hmm. you know, and other stuff. Great I was series. Like, yeah, it's just... It's it's tough to separate character from actor, which isn't the case in like mainstream films and stuff because that you know it's, it's like a different genre. But for found footage, I prefer to have unknown actors. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even recognize uh, what's his name that played um, Eddie or whoever in It Chapter Two. Yeah, the gr- James runa- James Ransone. Yeah, I didn't like with the the goatee uh, and uh, you know his crazy hair. Like uh, I didn't even recognize. Uh, and, yeah. I'm sure the the lo-fi video uh, footage also, you know, contributed to that as well. He, so he works he like because he was in Sinister and he was in right, um, yeah. the Black Phone. The Black Phone. He played the the brother who was the trying to solve brother. it all. I knew he had some shit hiding down here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he um he works with Scott Derrickson often. It, it appears, and so yeah. that's that's fascinating, but. I wasn't I wasn't expecting him to be the killer, so I think that was very, really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm contradicting myself because I I asked this question and say I, like is it is it a, a detractor? I agree with both of you guys that it's very kind of distracting when you have a well known name in there. But this one is the first one that, that I can remember that has two well known names in it, and it might be my favorite episode. So I'm like shit. So <laughs> I kind of I, I kind of contradicted myself there. I mean, I don't think because you bought the actors more. Um, well, I, I, I think, no, I think the, the creativeness of the segment and how scary it was to me at this, at the start and through those, those moments made me didn't even like, once I figured out, I was like, Oh, I know him. You know, I know James Ransone and Freddie Rodriguez. I didn't even care. I was like, okay, but I'm, I'm in this because now I want to know what the fuck is going on and what this whole serial killer vibe is. So, I think it worked this time. I don't. I, I don't know if it's going to happen again. Because Steve's right. If you have like Tom Cruise in it, I'd be like, oh well, he's not going to die. So <laughs> no, I mean you. But Tom Cruise is a person who, no matter what you watch, you're watching Tom Cruise. Like yeah. he's like right. sprinting everywhere. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't. I don't think you need top name actors. I. I just think you need to. And this is you know a tricky thing is you need to find actors who I am going to believe. Right. Absolutely. You know, and look. It, come to New York, there are lots of non-union phenomenal mm-hmm. actors whose names you don't know who you've never seen before because they're doing weird little projects or theater or whatnot. But there were definitely moments where I was just like, this feels like school project acting <laughs> and I don't buy it. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, that's kind of one of the appeals for me for VHS is mm-hmm. I watch a lot of mainstream stuff. I also watch a lot of indie stuff. 
And what I like about VHS is like it's showcasing these new filmmakers. And I'll mention a few mm-hmm. in one of the future questions that we got going. Um, and I've discovered a lot of filmmakers because they made a segment in VHS. And I that's why I like and it's the same thing with actors. Sure, sometimes you're going to get some acting that's a little spotty. But it's also a great showcase for people who might not get that kind of recognition, uh, you know, any other way. So I kind of enjoy having the no names in this. I yeah. just rather a short that isn't found footage. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a different. But like, set aside set aside the fact that you don't like found footage. I mean, don't you think it's a good opportunity for like you're saying those actors who are non-union that are in New York that could just have a chance to show everybody? Damn, oh they're, yeah, they're I absolutely think it should be. I think you just really need to to get your casting director game strong and find those. And I I know a lot of those people who are truly phenomenally talented, and they hmm. could you know sell you a bag of styrofoam right and like i mean it's it's cool to see this like with the directors like i was saying like david bruckner he did the ritual and david we were just talking about the ritual the other day it's still on my list because i just got tied up with some stuff oh have you not seen that one no i'm it's Mm. it's it's on my list but i slept on it for way too long (laughs) i I slept on it too that one is really good it's basically the blair witch but not found footage yeah. So like, oh and this, yeah, it's the same. It's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. Also, same. Timothy Spall's son. Mm-hmm. Not only he's he's a good actor, but also, wow, that man produced a really hot guy. <laughs> I don't know who that is or who he's the lead. Either. He's the lead oh. in the ritual. Okay, okay. Uh, he, Rafe Spall. Yeah, he, um, he's the like with the it's kind of reddish blondish hair. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, accurate. yeah. He was in an episode of uh, Black Mirror. Yes, that sounds right. He's British. Of course he was. Yeah. British. 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 But like like Steve was saying how it can showcase directors for you and you look them up, right? So like Jason Eisner, he did Hobo with a Shotgun. Hobo with a Shotgun. The the Slumber Party alien abduction one from uh, the second one. And you guys know that I'm not an Aliens fan, so that one creeped me out like no other. I was... I didn't like watching them chase them and uh, crazy shit. Gareth Evans, he directed The Raid and The Raid 2. And those were those are some of my favorite action movies of all time. Uh, Eduardo Sanchez, he directed The Blair Witch. I'm pretty positive. Yep. So and he did a segment in VHS. So it's just like, you know, I would arguably say the Blair, Blair Witch is the, the godfather of found footage films. Um, and you have the director there coming on here and he's making his own thing. And so I think that's super neat to be able to showcase those types of directors and those types of actors. And um, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a fan of it. And so, yeah. Agreed. Okay. Um, so following up on that, actually. So do you guys have like a wish list for directors that you would like to see make future segments? Um, they don't have to be huge names, but like, Pretty much any, and they don't even have to be horror directors. Like it gives it gives somebody a chance to kind of go, get out of their comfort zone. So yeah, whoever you guys want to say, I made a little uh, list here, <laughs> and I, I just realized as I'm looking at the list, I'm like, wait a minute, I, I might have some bias in here because I interviewed all these people, <laughs> so maybe that's why. But uh, so I made my own little five segment um, VHS film. So the first one would be a Joseph and Vanessa Winter. They actually yeah. uh, directed a segment in VHS 99. It was the last segment, the one with the uh, kind of hellscape. And they also did Deadstream, which is one of my favorite films from last year. Oh, Very good. They're just, they really love horror. I think they have a good eye for horror. Uh, they just are very clever in the way that they direct. So I think it'd be cool to see another segment from them. Um, similar with, like you mentioned, Jason Eisner. 
So he made a short, Hobo with a Shotgun, which got turned into a movie. He made another short in VHS 2, Kids vs. Aliens, which got into turn a less successful movie, but uh, <laughs> I it loved still got it. turned into a movie. Okay, well, there you go. I loved it. Uh, it acting uh, is not great, but it's a fun <laughs> as fuck alien invasion movie. Right. I see. I, I didn't love it, but it's the fact that his shorts are all becoming feature length films after shows that he should do another segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I, we have radio silence. You mentioned before as well. I, I think they need to get away from franchises and go back to doing their own thing. Like mm-hmm. they had done with VHS and ready or not, because I thought those were brilliant. Um, then I have spider one and Chrissy Fox who did bury the bride. Uh, spider one is actually Rob zombies brother. And he's doing a lot of uh, indie films. Very, very nice couple. They're, I think they could be like kind of what Rom Zombie should have been. (laughs) (laughs) It's like like Elizabeth Olsen. (laughs) Right, exactly. What what, the original idea of Rob Zombie, like I like his first films, but then he got maybe too much into his head. I think Spider One and Chrissy Fox could kind of take over that mantle. And the last one Mm. is actually Hannah Fearman. So Hannah Fearman was the. you know, the, the girl in the very first segment of the very first VHS, the one that's like, I like you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah the uh, she, succubus. She, yeah, that's the right. Succubus. She started directing films. She's doing one called Dark Circles coming out at some point in the next six months. And mm. I so I'd love to see, you know, bring it back to the very first VHS segment for her to take her like directing and making her own segment. I think that would be super cool. So that would be kind of my ideal VHS sweet i didn't know yeah she definitely i like you and then just flies away like that one was still one of the the strongest episodes in my opinion yeah it's one of the best for sure it's so good so cool i didn't know she's directing that's badass though and yeah you're right absolutely it's like you know the uh the apprentice has become the master so Mm -hmm. full circle obi-wan uh david do you have any directors um kind of so i you know i uh, i put in my notes like like I don't really have a list. Like in order to have a VHS director's wish list, I would have to be tuned into the small time slash amateur, etc. Director's uh, uh, world in which I am not. Um, but you watch so, a lot of indie horror films, though, too. Like you- I do, but like I and I mean, I'll make a mental note of the director. But that's why I log it all into Letterbox. Mm-hmm. Is so I. I have it as a, a, you know, it's at least a log that I've watched it. Um, But, um, you know, like it it usually doesn't get cemented in into my brain until I've seen uh, a second of one of their works. I'll be uh, like, you'll make it known. You'll be like, oh, oh, yeah. Like they did this thing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like, that's right. Like, I think we talked about Scott Derrickson that way where um, we were talking about vhs like 85 when more details were coming out and you're like yeah like the dude that's doing the or did the black phone is doing this and um i was like oh yeah that's cool um but yeah like so i'm kind of boring with my list so (laughs) i i put um the don't hug me i'm scared youtube channel oh dude becky sloan fuck yeah yeah. that's i put i I put her on my list too okay yeah awesome yeah i I thought i'll I'll uh, save it i'll talk about it in a bit but yeah go ahead yeah, if they did something similar where it was like puppets, um, I like I I don't think we've gotten anything like that. Uh, so like a nightmare version of Sesame Street, I think would be fucking incredible. Yeah, for uh, one of the VHS, um, 
you know, installments. Um, Jordan Peele, just because he's the shit. Uh, and I think it would be fun to see what he could come up with for like a 15, 20 minute mini movie. Um, you know, instead of like this, you know, big epic that will also be awesome, but you know, it would be fun to see what he could do with this uh, medium. Right. Um, and then uh, I'm going to try and pronounce this correctly. Uh, G Wan Kim, um, f- uh, director of uh, a bunch of amazing Korean uh, South Korean films, but mostly I saw the devil, which is one of my favorite horror movies and favorite Korean horror movies, um, horror suspense really. But um, yeah, like I saw the devil is one of those like old boy and, um, uh, you know, any, any of the movies like from the last couple of years where you're, you tell people like, don't read any reviews, any plot synopsis, like just go in blind as hell, you know, and, and enjoy the hell out of it. Like bar- barbarian. Um, it's fucking incredible. And I, I think, um, you know, we've gotten one or two, um, shorts that were directed by uh asian directors or south korean directors but uh, like that mass suicide one oh those uh, that was indonesian from, those uh, are both oh, from yeah. indonesia yeah yeah that's right yeah but both um, of those were, <laughs> those were <laughs> yeah <intense>. that was <laughs> yeah that was i think that was the closing segment for the second one mm, i believe no, it wasn't or, the closing but it was i think uh, the second uh, like like I thought it was maybe like the last one oh, before. Oh. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, that's that's kind of my list. Like I said, not very exciting. Just, you know, some names that I kind of, you know, scrounged up. Okay. Amanda, do you have any? I do, actually, yeah. yeah. Um, I have three. They're all women. And they're um, all found footage directors, right? <laughs> nope. <laughs> not at all. Um, Mimi Cave, who directed Fresh, which came out on Hulu yeah. last year. Yeah. I know I've mentioned this one to you a lot. I fucking loved that movie. Mm-hmm. It was so good. Um, and then the other two are actually, they started as actors and they've moved into directing recently and writing. But uh, Billy Piper, who was Rose on Doctor Who, she's a show on HBO called I Hate Susie, which is an anxiety nightmare. <laughs> I would love to see I would actually love to even see what she does found footage because it would be so anxiety inducing Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, Melanie Scrifano who played Winona Earp she's moved into directing recently and she's oh she's in Ready or Not as well Um, but she's very in that horror space and I think she could do something really interesting who does she play in Ready or Not (sighs) she's one of the sisters in law Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm looking at her now and I remember. Big hair. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay, sweet. I didn't know she was directing either. Yeah, she was Winona Earp on the sci-fi show Winona Earp, which I loved. So. I thought you were talking about like Maverick or like something. I'm like, uh, what? Or like Wyatt Earp with Kevin. Kevin. No, uh, no, no, no. There was a Water sci-fi World show. Waterworld Man, whatever his name is. Costner. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Kevin Costner. <laughs> There was a Winona Earp show on sci-fi a few mm. years ago. Um, it's it's like a sci-fi horror western. Oh, that's Fucking funny. great. So much fun. <laughs> I didn't know that. I just oh, I'm looking at it now. Oh. I recommend it. Definitely oh. watch it. Okay. Here you go. Nice. Um, it's, I, 
I agree with you guys. I mean, I, I love, that's what I love about this is there's so much talent out there. Uh, Jennifer Kent, who did the Babadook, I think that that would be great. She is from uh, Queensland. And mm-hmm. so that would be neat to see, you know, what they can do down under. And like, it's just an untapped untapped resource down there. Um, Alan Resnick, I'll save him and Becky Sloan because they kind of go hand in hand. They're both YouTube uh, kind of experimental. I own over 200 horror film, Gabe from the office creators. (laughs) Uh, They're very weird, but I love it. Mike Flanagan, your boy, Mike Flanagan. So Mm. he hasn't really put out a huge budget film other than like Dr. Sleep, right? And, you know, Hush was not, Hush was very low budget for the most part. Um, and then I think that's pretty much it, right? Like in terms of heavier movies, everything movies, else has yeah. just been Netflix. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, oh, but he has uh, such gorgeous cinematography. Oh, absolutely. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love his stuff. It's so pretty. It's because he works with the same people over and over yeah. again. Good. Where, where they Do get that. to know each other better and like it's they gorgeous. grow together. Yeah. Yeah, and he's he's just super talented and super creative, and so I think that that would be really neat because um, yeah, we could just we could see a fun segment with him, um, and then the final one was Lee Janiak, and she did um, the Fear Street series on on Netflix. I and enjoyed those. It, it wasn't my favorite, but I did love segments of it, and I liked certain concepts, so that was really neat. So I think if she could get behind something where she could kind of do because you could see the gears spinning with Fear Street. So that would be really neat if she did one of these VHS segments. I would eat that shit up. I think the first of the Fear Street movies was my favorite. I think so, too. That was Mm -hmm. I think that was probably the strongest. And and it was that I I really liked the summer camp. I think they kind of missed the mark on some of them, Mm -hmm. though. And it just got really weird when they went into that pit and everything. (laughs) And I I loved it. Yeah, no, I loved the concept. I loved the ending. But I also think I noticed that they got longer as they went along yeah and the first one was the tightest and and had the other two had that tightness it probably i I also think i might have liked the characters in the first one the most yeah they Mm -hmm. i agree and i mean that what was the grocery scene was pretty pretty awesome the kills (laughs) well also because it, it hadn't gone there yet like obviously we'd had characters die but they were characters we didn't know or care about and then to have that scene happen and you're like I actually was so invested in these characters yeah so this actually this hits in a way that a lot of slashers don't where it's like (laughs) I don't care I'm I'm waiting for them to pick everyone else everyone off one by one but because they waited until that one moment to pick them all off at the same time I was like oh oh we yeah. went there we did that they're dead <laughs> I liked those people I actually I feel the emotional weight of that so that's what Lee Janiak could bring to this mm-hmm. um so Alan Resnick and Becky Sloan so Alan Resnick is uh like I said he, he did some things for Adult Swim and he did unedited footage of a bear. Uh, and there are people in this house. And there are these segments that I highly implore everyone to check out because they're fucking weird. Uh, they're, they, along the lines of Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared, it's, it's an art piece that's so disturbing, but it's also not. Like, I, I don't know how to kind of explain it. I love Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. I've seen it over like 100 times. I quote it often. Um, like when everyone says, oh, green's my favorite color. And then I'm like, green is not a creative color. color. <laughs> um, but Becky Sloan, who did it, is is just phenomenal. And she actually ended up doing a, like a second season that were way longer segments. And that came out eight years after she made the original. So I think that the experimental dangerous kind of unknowing 
uh, thing that they they do is is wonderful. And Alan Resnick, after he I watched There Are People in This House, I watched this hour long breakdown video of this guy who did like a deep dive where he he's like, if you zoom in here and you see the commercial, there's actually this number. And so I looked up that number on Google and it leads you to a site that actually explains this fake product from the show. And I'm like, holy shit. So that was fascinating to me and I absolutely loved it. But the, the reason why I immediately thought of Alan Resnick was because, you know, like when in the techno God segment, I know Amanda was saying, she's like, and we just got whatever the fuck that was. I agree. It was weird as hell, but I really did like at the end when you get to see the techno God and you're like, what the fuck? That was cool. But like the segment when, you know, he's putting it on his gloves and he's talking about stuff and he's like, I have my iPhones on now. Um, that <laughs> felt very Alan Resnick to me. So I, I I don't know if you guys like Techno God, but I think I it liked was... it. Has anyone seen Disclosure? No, nope. Okay, well, Zach, I... we should do it because there's so much to talk about. It's an erotic thriller. It's also the most sexist piece of crap I've ever seen, but like in a funny way. Um, but that has an '80s idea of virtual reality, mm-hmm. but it's just like virtual reality filing cabinets and that is all i could think of yeah but i think that's the point of it right like because they're obviously trying to make fun of not make fun of but uh ar or vr we have now they're trying to allude to that and where where we thought we would be with it back then versus now i mean it's so on the nose you know my iphones i have to (laughs) put down my iphone and i'm like that was a little too on the nose Mm but uh zach uh, just a quick question um the movie or whatever there are people in this house that you mentioned is is it actually this house has people in it yeah this house has people in it sorry i i always mess it up it's called this house has people in it but yeah it's on youtube sorry i didn't mean to call you out or anything no 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 no. i I wanted clarification and i needed to ask it right now remember remember last week for no one will save you when i was like no one can save you i just i didn't remember what it's called And so I just kept calling it that, but eh, it doesn't matter. Um, not just anyone. Not anyone will save you. Thou. Shall not be saved. <laughs> you shall not <laughs> be passed. <laughs> oh boy. Um, yeah, it's a lot of stuff. So uh, you know, none of the segments in VHS VHS eighty five are overly gory. Even the final one with Overkill, it's not as gory as as something like a Terrifier would be, or like Saw, right, or Hostel. So I'd even argue that they are actually done pretty tastefully. I don't know if it says down. I apologize about that. But they're done pretty tastefully. So I guess my question would be, is gore and killing, is it a necessity in any of these VHS segments to truly make it scary? Like, is it possible to make a segment with no death that is still freaky as hell? Because I'm pretty sure in every every segment to date, I'm pretty sure people die. I could be wrong, Steve. I don't, I don't, I don't know if you remember any that no one died. Pretty much. No, I, I can't think of one where there wasn't death, but not all the deaths were necessarily that gory. Mm-hmm. You know, so, some of them were kind of uh, like, I'm thinking of, was it 94 that had a segment in a funeral home and there's like a yeah. hurricane outside or tornado oh, or something. Scary. I don't oh, know. Like zombies. <laughs> no, no one really gets killed in any crazy way, yeah. but it still had a lot of tension. And yeah, I don't think to answer your question that you need gore to be scary or, you know, have kind of elicit that feeling that just to enjoy the horror for the, you know, for this movie. So I don't think it's necessary. Gore is just one part of horror. And there's so many other things that you could do that are freaky as hell and not have any death. Yeah. I don't inherently find gore scary. Mm-hmm. I, it, it can be interesting. It could be beautiful. It could be gross. I, 
found it very gross, but that didn't scare me. I was just like, okay, that was kind of gross. <laughs> Whatever. Well, I'm I'm just wondering if because these segments are only 15 to 20 minutes, if you kind of have to kill somebody and you have to kind of show a bit of gore in order to it, for it to be super effective, because you could do a psychological scare like a hereditary without really any killing. But it's it's kind of I mean, is it hard to do in that short amount of time or have you seen any of David Lynch's original shorts? Some of no, those are absolutely I mean, dread inducing. David Lynch is weird as it is. You know, yes, but they are, and, yeah. they are dread inducing and there's no gore or killing. It's yeah. just like you're watching it and you're like, what the fuck am I watching? Why do I feel so like. Mm-hmm. And I know we talked about what really scares you last week, and we all kind of concluded, like, I don't really know when it comes to movies. And I think the older you get, like, the more that horror movies don't necessarily scare you, and that's not really why you're watching them anymore. So it's about what other emotions are yeah. these eliciting, and the things that I like are the ones that, you know, you turn off and you still feel it in the pit of your stomach. And it's not that I'm terrified I'm going to have nightmares, but it's that I was so tensed up um, and those are the ones that get to me. And yeah, there are a lot of David Lynch shorts and they are absolutely dread inducing. Hmm. And I actually, you- I think what you don't show can be scarier than what you do show. So mm-hmm. it's more about what my mind will create is going to be a yep. lot scarier than Less the gore you show me on screen. Yep. Less yeah. is more. Have you ever seen uh, the ABCs of death? Uh, uh, no, but I know that it's like a lot of the directors from VHS did that, right? That's right. Yeah. So it's basically 26 shorts in a two hour time frame, And so the stories are two to five minutes. And there are some stories that are three, four minutes that are incredible and oh. spooky. And they move on to another. And not all of them have gore. It just shows like different horror genres, essentially, in the span you said of it's, two hours. And it's ABC's it's, death. Okay. Yeah, it's it's like one short on every letter, so it's it's really uh, ooh yeah. Cool. I've I've definitely I've definitely heard of it and I've seen it like on Amazon Prime, but I've never clicked on it on it to watch. Um, I know like Adam Wingard has a segment, and I mean that dude you know has directed a couple for VHS, and he's directed Godzilla versus Kong, and like he's mm-hmm. he gets big movies. So yeah, Jason Eisner did one. Yeah, th- yep. there's a bunch of big name yeah. directors that have done some. So yeah, it, that that's a good like example of you don't need time to you know have, show fear and show horror or you mm. need gore to kind of as a crutch you can do some really cool stuff in very little time there are a lot of camera tricks you can use as yeah. well mm-hmm. um i know i mentioned a few weeks ago or a week ago there's a movie from 63 called and well also in 1960 the haunting and the innocence both use a lot there's no gore yeah. in either of those mm-hmm. use a lot of camera tricks that it just builds the sense of dread that you're like, there's right. something over my shoulder. And it's just, you know, putting Vaseline in a circle around the lens to make it circular so that it's fuzzy on the sides or using um, like imperfect lenses so there are cracks in them that just make their, this like there's something wrong. Yeah. And those build so much dread. Or uh, as Steve knows, why I won't watch the platform because I hate watching people right. eat food on screen. So just have a bunch of people just binge eating and like yeah. Den of Thor with a tomato. And I'll be like, nope, I'm good. I'm I with held, you on that, Zach, actually. I <laughs> held out on the platform for a very long time. I was like, I I don't know if I was going to enjoy this. And I finally took the dive. And it's, it's not my thing, but I 
do like how it was it was a foreign film but mm-hmm. still applicable to like it's cool when uh filmmakers from other countries do satirical pieces yeah. mm-hmm. especially within the horror genre um that reflect uh cross-continental issues um so it, it kind of opens your eyes to the fact that like what we experience here isn't necessarily secluded to North mm-hmm. America or the United States, like other, you know, countries experience like classism and, you know, mm-hmm. w- the war against, you know, the, the upper class versus the lower class and shit like that. So, right. Well, you know, so this is an all play question. Um, so Steve, I know the horse Squad podcast is going to be reviewing this movie in the future very soon. Mm-hmm. And so for, for Steve and everyone else, you know, when you guest for other podcasts like this, uh, but then you go and discuss the same film multiple times. Does your opinion ever change? Or are you going to like, did, did I do such a good job of saying how amazing this was? And David really just got you jazzed up that you're going to be like, you know what? VHS 85 is actually probably my number three now. Or are you just going to be like, nope, this sucks. So there are a lot of things that can change my opinion, you know? Um, and I, this is something I, I talk about a lot on my podcast. If I watch a film one day and then I watch the same film another day, depending on what mood I'm in, what setting I'm in, what device I'm watching it on. There are a lot of things that could go into play on whether or not I'm going to enjoy the movie. Now, I'm usually going to be in the same range, but, you know, just time, experience, setting can change my opinion. And the same thing goes with podcasts. So sometimes I go into my podcast and I have a score written down. And after discussing it, I start realizing, okay, you know, maybe this wasn't as bad as, I thought, or okay, I didn't see it that way. That's actually really cool. Or the other way, it's like, wow, yeah, that. Wh- why did I overlook that? That was awful, you know. So, uh, <laughs> and that's that goes for really any podcast. I could review this, you know, ten times, watch it ten times, and have different opinions. But I usually stay within the same range. It's very rare I'll go from hating a movie to loving a movie. But it has happened. There are some movies that grew on me to the point where I went from really, really disliking it to becoming one of my favorites. So. It's okay. plausible. So yeah, I, every podcast has its own perspective. I don't know if I came out of this one thinking, oh, you know, I can't wait to watch this again. But since we will be reviewing it, I probably will have to. So. Oh man, you're going to pick up on things and be like, oh wow, that's so smart. Man, I'm, I like this so much more. <laughs> or you're going to be like, yeah, I see what Amanda was saying. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm so glad there was no stationary cameras and it was all right. realistic because <laughs> it made it realistic and visceral and awesome and I loved it and hooray. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, yeah, the, the beginning of this second one is actually a really fascinating concept. It These is. characters are interesting. <laughs> oh, and now the earthquake happened, and now everything that's happened after that just gets longer and longer, and I stopped oh, caring. Loved I loved it. Levantense. I thought it was awesome. Levantense. I, I thought that was so good. Crawling, I got I so bored. It. Why was he still carrying the camera? <laughs> it, and I thought it, the, it was the his newscaster. Way to calm down. No, those newscaster ladies, they were fantastic characters. Mm. I loved watching them on camera. I was like, yes, keep these women on my screen. <laughs> And then she got hit by the ceiling. You got to kill Drew Barrymore and scream. You got to kill off the. Yes, but then it gave me other characters I was interested in watching. Yeah. So, well. It gave me Stu. Who doesn't love watching Stu? They all can't be home runs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, what about you two, Amanda, David? Would your mind change if you guessed on you talked about this film again or no? Um, 
I so I mean this does tend to happen. Um, Steve made a lot of really good points, and you know I'd echo pretty much everything that he said. So like, you know the like I will, I will be excited to push play on a movie, but if it's like something that I'll need to dig my heels into uh, and, and like really get invested in, um, yeah, and it's like. 845 <laughs> then i won't like all you know especially if i'm not in the right headspace like you know um, yeah. so yeah like i uh i mean it happens all the time where i change my mind on movies because of things that people will say like talking about the scream franchise as a whole like um i had my friend amanda on uh, the geek garage a couple years ago and we just talked about the franchise as a whole and some of the the best moments and and all that and i a lot of it was like an exercise on my end to understand the movies because like i said earlier in the in this episode like i it's it will never be my favorite but i do always watch them because mm-hmm. they're it's never not a good time mm-hmm. um and uh, except for four uh and uh <laughs> like fuck your gosh and blur like i don't know what the fuck you're doing here but get mm. that shit out my face um but yeah like <laughs> you know uh my my opinions yeah they they definitely fluctuate go up and down depending on you know who i'm talking to uh because sure. they they might bring up some great opinions uh or like they're like oh yeah like like when we we're talking about um uh no one will save you <laughs> no i'm gonna fuck up the title yeah. um uh when we were talking about that uh last week or whenever it was i i was very high on it and when we ended the podcast i was still pretty high on it but definitely not as high um because both of you discussed points that i didn't really think of and i was like uh, yeah that, i mean it, i feel like it deserves to be knocked down you know, a, a couple notches uh, for for that, but you know, I, I still enjoyed it. So, yeah, like no one will really ever truly influence my opinion to the point where I will change a movie from like an A to a C, or you know, just go from loving it to not liking it or hating it. But they will help me see things a little bit sharper. Um, which I think is the point of you yeah. know, discussing movies with other people. Cause uh, like this, especially, you know, uh, with opposing viewpoints, it brings some perspective. All right. Well, let's go to a segment I really like, and I'm just very intrigued on, on what this is going to be, but we're going to go to hottest takes and we're going to start, start with probably the hottest of takes. Amanda, what's your hot take on this movie, on movies of this genre, which we already know on anything. It's your just most controversial opinion or take or whatever you want. Um, God, what what have I said that that isn't a hot take tonight? I'm trying to, I'm trying to come up with something even crazier because clearly this has already been my night of like, no. (laughs) And as I said, there are some good concepts. I just, I don't like found footage. I really, really like pretty movies. I, I like a visual (laughs) feast. Give me something sumptuous to look at. Let me say, yes, that was gorgeously shot. That death scene was like... Giallo levels of beautiful. Hmm. So I wonder if there is ever a found footage. I feel like that's going to be my new task is finding a found footage film out there that you'd be like, oh, that was shot really well. I know there are some out there. I just can't think of anything coming to mind right now. 
Yeah, it's such. I haven't like gone looking. Is Deadstream considered found footage? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was, kind of. Yeah. I, I mean, that and so that's much. that's supposed to be shot with you know up to date technology. Yeah. Contemporary like GoPros technology. and shit. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen I, Amanda? Have you seen have you seen I have not. No. Yeah, you should, should check that one out. It's, okay. And you like Evil Dead, right? Yes. Yeah. So it, it's yeah. very. You'll like this. It's very much Evil Dead esque, and mm. okay. You're, you get just that I do find. Get, see, oh, that's that's a case where like it's gory, but like the design yeah. is so cool that you're like, yeah. You you have to get beyond the, the character because he's very annoying for the first like 15, 20 <laughs> minutes, but he settles in because you need to realize he's like he's a YouTube uh, creator and he's <clears throat> supposed to be annoying. And so, like, just as just know that going into it, because you might be like, I can't stand this fucking guy, because I felt that way, and I was like, okay, this is gonna be a long movie. But then I'm like, oh, it, it works very well. So okay, and so I also thing- I thought this was too long. I did think a lot of the shorts were too long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the inter- interesting thing about Deadstream. So I interviewed um, Joseph Winter, who starred and uh, wrote and bitch. directed, <laughs> and it's funny because. I usually interview directors, not so much actors. I do it sometimes, but more so directors. And you know, he's listed as director. He said his wife did most of the directing because he was on on screen. And his character is so annoying, but the guy um, behind it is so like mild mannered and thoughtful. And it's it was almost weird to talk. Yes, to him I have it. wanted to watch this because another podcast that I listened to talked about it, and they said that like they did say that about the character, but that the concept was actually interesting, and because the cameras were set up in a way that it wasn't just like, ooh, I'm, you know, walking around like that, that oh, they yeah. actually... Yeah, it's it's really well done how they place yeah. the cameras, in my opinion. But so Okay, that's a hot take. I like it. Uh, Steve, what's your hot take? Okay, so uh, I, I got raked over the coals for this, but I'm going to repeat it anyway, so other people can kind of get mad at me for it. <laughs> I believe, I love seeing, I watch a lot of indie films, like a, a ton of them especially horror and but i still believe you need substance over style like some people will make movies that are just style and to me no substance and this year i watched two of the absolute worst films i've ever seen in my life <laughs> uh, called skinnamarink and oh. out and outwaters skinnamarink <laughs> is basically a guy filming his wall for an hour and 50 minutes and i was so bored <laughs> that i was just like i don't even understand and people are calling it like the best thing ever, right? And I'm super happy for hey, them. Like I zero. No one's calling that it the best uh, thing there, ever. Oh yes, some, there, there are yeah. some people. Yeah, there are definitely I, some people. I am one of <laughs> people that's hot, higher on it, but I feel so much like in the back row, like trying to scream, but everyone's screaming louder about how terrible it is. But sorry, that this is your time to talk. <laughs> no, I, I totally I just I'm super happy if you think this is the best movie ever. I always want people to have enjoyment in anything, right? But for me, it, it was just nothing for an hour 50, you know, and I, so I guess my hot take is if you're going to make a movie, it's cool that you do like experimental stuff. First, don't make it an hour 50 minutes. That's way, 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 way too long for a movie like that. Uh, that should have been a short, essentially. That should have been, a, yeah. you know, a ten minute short. But so yeah, make make substance sometimes over style, and that's kind of my issue with VHS eighty five. To bring it in is that I felt they went so far deep into making it look like it was from nineteen eighty five that I feel it was lacking a little bit of substance, and it oh, kind of got lost in kind of its own box, you know, of I keeping it with within the eighty five. 
I agree with that. With a lot of the shorts, I was like, you're just giving into the conceit. But I'm like, no, no, no. Let's go with the concept. Mm -hmm. Man, I think that's one of the reasons I loved it so much was because it really helped get me into the viewing experience. And obviously, I'm biased because I love this series. So that is, you know. Okay. I dig it. I mean, I'm, I'm with you on it. Substance over style. Well, if you can have the style, but you got to you got to yeah. have a back into it. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, David, Big Dave. Straight Dave. <laughs> Straight Dave's wrestling. Um, no, I so I can definitely understand uh, the where you guys are coming from with it. Not really feeling like it's in 85 or, you know, the, the substance over style thing. Um, I think a lot of what contributed to 85, maybe not feeling like 85 to some people is that if you think about the other uh, dated VHS movies, um, whether it be 94 or 99, um, you think of like the, uh, the, the, the rapper story that goes around all the shorts um, that like, especially with 99, like the, the clothes, like you see like crop tops, you see Jinkos, you see, you know, kids with a uh, bowl haircut skateboarding in cul-de-sacs. Like it just screams like, you know, I, I brought, uh, I bought a surge at lunch and I saved it and I got it. I got it in my, you know, lunch box in my, you know, uh, Ninja Turtles or Transformers lunchbox, and I'm gonna, you know, chug that shit and go do an Ollie. You know, WWF man, WWE <laughs> Attitude yeah, Era. That's what exactly, I would have added in. Yeah, pandas smacking each other in the faces with chairs. <laughs> yes, um, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like, you know, I, I've mentioned a couple hot takes here. Um, so I guess like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think objectively speaking, eighty five might be one of the strongest, if not the strongest um, entry in this franchise. Um, You know, I, there's been strong, um, you know, entries in the franchise before this, obviously there's, um, but I, I think overall, I mean, and this is, you know, it's a hot take, it's an opinion, but like for me in terms of the, the ratio of, the rapper and the inside short films, mm-hmm. the ones that I enjoyed versus didn't enjoy all the previous ones had ones that I was like, eh, I would have preferred something else. This one didn't have any of that. Um, like even VHS one, the OG like had a couple in there where I was like, Oh, like the concept was cool, but like execution was like, right. eh, whatever. Like I thought this one was like pretty much a home run on uh, or at least an infield home run on <laughs> on all uh, all the shorts um and the rappers so that's kind of my hot take i know it's not shared but um i'm, I'm you know with once you. again it's, it's yeah it's one of, it's one of my favorites i'm with you so to piggyback off of yours my hot take i think vhs is is the coolest franchise in horror right now in my opinion and it's one that they could continue making for the next 20 years and i'd still be down for it um it's it's where fast and the furious i always joke i'm like god these movies get progressively worse but i'm still going to be there like opening day to see them because i just am i'm a stan i I love fast and furious and vhs in space (laughs) well i know right like i'm waiting for it so me too um (laughs) just craziness but yeah i think it's the best 
horror series out there better than saw better than scream just because scream has gone downhill in my opinion they just keep missing the mark but it is what it is so um okay sometimes we can let things die i know (laughs) we need to but i feel that way about every franchise i don't think everything needs to franchise and i don't (laughs) i don't always watch i don't always watch sequels sometimes i'm like i loved that movie i don't need it to go any further don't care I'm going to end the chapter here. There you go. I agree. I, I do. Sorry. I, oh, I want to say one like, like tag onto that. Yeah, like please. I like the idea of retconning in that fashion, like the, the Halloween, like, you know, I, I know most hardcore Halloween fans, you know, are, uh, are not <laughs> fans of the new trilogy and we're not getting into that. But uh, I, I just wanted to touch on the, like the, how it wiped out everything past the first one. Um, and and just, it was like, oh, you've only seen the original Halloween. Perfect. Like here's a new trilogy that picks up basically like not where that one left off, but like 30 years later or whatever. Um, Which to that point, I'm okay. Just watching the original and nothing else. Sure. There you go. I mean, and you, your opinion is shared with like 98% of the other Halloween fans, except for me. (laughs) Well, I also, part of it is I think it gets overwhelming. Yeah. Sure. And then I, yeah. I start to hit this point where I'm like, this same character is still going through the same shit for <laughs> decades. Can you let her be already? Like, I'm tired for her. My bones, my 30-year-old bones are aching for her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good point. I dig it. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, letter grade. Uh, Amanda, what do you give this movie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh boy look this is not a movie for me i get that there's stuff for people who like this in it aside from the fact that i do not love found footage i do still think a lot of the shorts are a little meandering and could have used another pass in the edit in terms of where the concept was going that like even if i liked the concept barring the found footage thing it needed to tighten up more. I'm a go D. Okay, Ooh. that's fair. It's, I totally, totally understand. Well, I mean, it's wrong, but it's totally. <laughs> no, it's not wrong. It's no, my opinion. I, I was joking. It's definitely not wrong. Uh, but yeah, I, there are probably plenty of people who have the same sentiment as you, who are like didn't like it. But they probably gave it an F. Even if so. it were an hour and a half, I would probably go higher because there were actually yeah. some concepts I really enjoyed. Oh, I got but you. But the yeah. fact that it was two hours long, I was just like, yeah. It, it it's it is a doozy. It's I I feel you on that one. I was kind of thinking the same thing. So, uh, Steve, letter grade. I'm gonna get a C minus. I think me personally, it's my least favorite VHS movie out of all of them. <sighs> Even viral, I enjoyed a little bit more. Oh man! Uh, but you know, now that since I'm reviewing on my podcast, now I'm interested. Is it is it me <laughs> or you know are they gonna like it more? Like because here we kind of split two two. I feel yeah. So. I yeah, think... I, I wasn't psyched about reviewing it again, but now I am because just I want to see what my co-hosts are going to think about it too and what other people are going to think. So me personally, though, on first watch, because I'm going to have to watch it again now. Um, yeah, it just it, just, it wasn't driving with me at all. It just wasn't working out. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Well, David, let's see if you can turn this around a little bit for us. Turn the beat around. A minus. Okay. I'm I'm right I'm right there with you. This is an A minus for me as well. Yeah, absolutely loved it. 
Uh, I think it it's number one and then a very close. This is like one B or very close to for me for the VHS series as a whole. And I loved it. So I'm with you on the A minus. Nice. Great success. <laughs> um, OK, briefly, uh, real quick, Amanda, what are you working on? What am I working? Oh, <laughs> wait, when is this episode coming out? <laughs> uh, it's going to be out uh, next week. So probably like next Friday. Friday once we get back in the groove because I got to do Friday the 13th on Friday the 13th right, naturally. Okay. So that'll be a quick so turnaround tomorrow. I'm just going to let the, the listeners know that we're recording this in advance because I can't do the date math right now. I have a lot going on. My <laughs> my feature film is having its New York premiere on Saturday, October ooh, ooh. 14th, just so that people know where I'm at right now. Um the, at the Chelsea Film Festival, the festival starts tomorrow night, so I am prepared for the whole weekend. Um, our Ooh. screening is sold out. Um, also, all of my grandparents are coming to see the erotic thriller that oh, I yeah. wrote and star in. <laughs> so that will be interesting. <laughs> to runtime stuff, it's only 75 minutes long, so that's great. Because nice. uh, it's also only two characters. Yeah. There's no found footage. And they're it's filming really... the ceiling the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, there's really Just gorgeous. Just like rink. <laughs> there's really, really gorgeous cinematography, actually. Our yeah. cinematographer is phenomenal. Uh, so that's that's going on. We have more festivals after that. And then I'm flying down to Florida to film a short that I am producing. And I'm also in. Um, I am playing the wife of a televangelist who has an affair with an older British man. Apparently my typecasting is now women who have affairs with older British men. Um, I won't complain. <laughs> that's what's going on. Yeah, that's that's what's up. Love it. Okay. Uh, and we can find you at Amanda Jane Stern on Instagram, Twitter, and yep. threads, and whatever else. Yep, Pretty easy. Exactly. <laughs> Steve, uh, what are you working on, and where can we find your socials? Uh, so my solsters are all flipping the nerd. If you want to see me personally, if you want, my podcast is all uh, the horror squad podcast or horror squad pod or whatever uh, could fit into social media. Uh, the day this episode releases is our 300th episode. We're reviewing the, the haunted mansion, uh, the latest movie that came out. And also that weekend we're hosting one of our events. It's a live event in Salem. We invited the cast of Hocus Pocus. So Omri Katz, Vanessa Shaw, uh, Jason Marston and Thor Birch. It is their first time in Salem together. And so cool. we're doing a party Damn. at Bitbar in Salem on Friday. And then we're doing a signing at the Salem Commons on Saturday. And we're going to, I mean, you're going to see us because you have to go through our table to get to them because yeah. we're <laughs> the organizers. <laughs> so, and then the weekend after, also in Salem, we have actor Douglas Tate who's going to do signings in photo costume op and a uh, QA with a screening of Freddy versus Jason. Fuck Douglas yeah. Tate played Jason in the last scene of Freddy vs. Jason where he's holding Freddy's head uh, because they had to do reshoots and they couldn't get Ken Kersinger because he's uh, <laughs> from a different country. And he also played Michael Myers in Halloween Kills in the stunt work. So he played both Michael and Jason. So we're really happy to uh, be hosting him and it's going to be a great time. So if you're anywhere near Salem, you should definitely come check out our events. Uh, yeah. Sounds amazing. You know, I thought that John Wick actually played, uh, did the stunt double work for Michael Myers in Halloween Kills because apparently you can't kill him and apparently he can take <laughs> on like 30 firefighters That's at right. once. Like he's fucking John Wick. But 
I digress. Uh, yeah, the Horse Squad podcast for anybody. It's awesome. Check it out. It's uh, available wherever you get your podcast from. And that Hocus Pocus event sounds amazing. I used to have the biggest crush on Vanessa Shaw when I was a kid. And so I am uber jealous. But, yeah. I feel like we've had this conversation. Probably. <laughs> um, uh, Big Dave, David, David Dassa, what are you working on? Where can we find you on the socials? Well, I should not be bringing up the rear on this one because I am so unexciting, comparatively speaking. Um, I don't have any huge film openings. I'm not a badass podcaster who is interviewing amazing people. I am a mediocre podcaster at best who is finally getting back on track after, you know, having to take multiple breaks because life happens. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, we're, I'm, I'm in the middle of trying out a, uh, a new co-host. She's one of my oldest friends right now. Um, And, yeah, I, it's kind of crazy that, you know, where I'm just now getting to the point where I'm like, Hey, like maybe she would be good on the podcast, like female perspective. And like, mm-hmm. we were trying to make my wife work for a while and it was working except like it was the hardest to schedule episodes. Um, ironically, because we live in the same house, like <laughs> I don't understand how that happens, but like she would be tired and I'd be tired and yeah. yeah. Schedules never aligned. Um, so yeah, we are getting back on track. It's, um, more like a, uh, twice a month, like every other week kind of thing. Um, eventually we'll, uh, we'll get back to a, a, a once a week schedule or something like that, maybe three times a month. Um, but it is the geek garage, uh, podcast. Uh, we're on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we are the most active on Instagram, uh, or sorry on Facebook. Uh, did I say Instagram and Twitter? You said said Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. Uh, my bad. Um, Instagram and Facebook because we have a Facebook group, uh, where we do like cool polls and, uh, ask like, you know, fun topic questions. And those a lot of the times end up getting turned into episodes, uh, where we discuss answers and, um, like our episode that's coming out on this Friday is, literally called Jason versus everybody um, (laughs) where we like threw in names into a hat and took turns pulling them out and see if Jason could kick their ass. Um, And yeah, Yeah. it it ended up being a really fun conversation. Sweet. So um, looking forward to it. Yeah. We got that one coming down the pike. So sweet. All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for being on the show. I loved having you guys. Uh, It's a spooktober spectacular scary episode and i loved it and it's the best time of year just like steve was saying it's my ultimate favorites um okay everyone thank you for listening to the don't be crazy podcast remember to follow us on twitter and threads at dv crazy pod and at zachdale 60 where you can share your thoughts give us film suggestions tell us if we're crazy or just send us funny memes make sure you subscribe to our show on apple podcasts and leave us a five-star review additionally we are also available on every other major podcast app thank you for listening and until next time don't be